Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Good morning, 25 minutes now to nine. The time, time for your Mediated Conversation this Thursday morning. Tomorrow night at the Stade de France in Paris, the Rugby World Cup will kick off with France taking on the New Zealand All Blacks. It's the biggest event on the rugby calendar. And of course, our national team, the Springboks, are, do I need to remind you, the current world champions. And while the All Blacks have often been seen as the best team in the world, the fact is they suffered their massive record defeat to the Springboks in London just two weeks ago. So then, how important is the Rugby World Cup? What impact does it have on the sport? And more importantly than all of that, who is going to win? First this morning, you'll hear from the commentator and journalist Andy Capastanio. He's been following uh, rugby for many, many years. Then you'll hear from the sports editor at Independent Media, Afshak Mohammed. And finally, a News24 sports writer who's currently in France with the Springbok rugby team, Caniso Tracol. We start then with the commentator and journalist Andy Capastanio. Andy, good morning. Thanks for your time this morning. You, sir. Four years ago, the Rugby World Cup was in Japan. How's the rugby world changed since then? And obviously in the middle of that was the COVID pandemic and empty stadiums. It's amazing to think, isn't it, that the Springboks, after becoming world champions, didn't play another game of rugby for over a year. Um, and and when they did, um, then we had the series against the British Lions um, in an empty stadium in Cape Town, and that was entirely unsatisfactory. Um, it's wonderful the way that we managed to recover as a species. And we all seem to have forgotten that because of what's happened over the last two years. So um, things have changed. Um, and and I would suggest that, Jermaine, um, uh, to our conversation, the most important things that have changed have been the strength of Northern Hemisphere rugby and particularly France and Ireland. For years and years, uh, Rugby World Cups were dominated by the Southern Hemisphere. The Northern Hemisphere has, by my count, won it just once. Why is the Northern Hemisphere suddenly having a resurgence? Oh, uh, you know what? I think the reason is because so many Southern Hemisphere players are playing in the Northern Hemisphere on a regular basis. They are raising the standard of play that they see around them. And remember that uh, when we play Scotland on Sunday, there'll, there'll be uh, three or four South Africans uh, ranged against the Springboks. And uh, that wasn't something that was happening regularly uh, before, um, I would say, 2015. And uh, as a result of that, you're, you're getting, not only are you getting uh, players from overseas who are, um, who are declaring for a new country, but generally, uh, playing club rugby and provincial rugby and raising the standard. Um, we were not the favourites in 2019. Was it a surprise to the rugby world when we won? Well, it was a surprise in England, <laughs> um, principally because of what England did to the All Blacks in the semi-finals. They thought they just had to turn up to beat the Springboks. And yes, um, there's no question. If you if you think when Rassi Erasmus and Jacques Minarba took over in 2018, um, it wasn't long since the Springboks had been beaten by Italy for the first time. Um, and and it, it, we were at a low of lows. So what they what they did in the next 18 months was extraordinary. Um, what I think that they've done since then is perhaps more extraordinary. They're, they've created um, a, an iconic kind of squad 
where people are now saying you've got to change the laws because otherwise we can't beat the Springboks. And I'm talking about the bomb squad coming off the bench. Um, but more, more than that, there's depth in every position. And if, if Rassi and, and Jacques Nienaba walk away at the end of this World Cup, as, as Jacques definitely is and Rassi probably is, they can look back and say, job well done, whatever happens in this World Cup. Sia Khaleesi was an important figure in 2019. I think maybe in some ways he's perhaps more of an important figure now. And for many reasons, the first black Springbok rugby captain, his own life story. I think the respect that he has from almost everyone in the South African community. Has he become a more important figure in a way? He's a sort of talismanic captain. Um, He's not alone in that. He leads a squad. But it's the way that he leads it that's important. Unquestionably. And uh, you've just got to see the effect that he's had uh, while the Springboks have been training in, in Toulon. You know, he, he has to sort of spend an hour signing autographs at the end of a training session. Um, people understand. Uh, he has an aura. Um, uh, you know, I've spent time with Sia Khaleesi, and he is one of those guys who uh, uh, who's always um, sort of biggest presence in any room that he walks into. Um, and he he understands that's perhaps the most important thing. You get a lot of professional sports people um, who are great players who don't really understand uh, what they do to the players around them. But Sia Khaleesi does understand that, and so do the management. And that's why they tried so hard uh, to get that knee sorted out so that he could play uh, in the World Cup. And actually, the draw is uh, is very good for um, for Khaleesi. You know, he he can probably get away with uh, with only playing against Scotland and Ireland um, in pool play, which will help that recovery process. There are other things. I mean, if you watch uh, before a rugby match when the teams come out, they'll often have uh, children with them, sometimes holding their hands, sometimes quite young children. Um, I think in the last game, the child next to Sia Khaleesi was actually in a wheelchair. And you have usually the captain of the other team just holding the child's hand. Sia Khaleesi's always talking to the child. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, uh, I think he's never forgotten his humble roots. Um, and, and, of course, he's got the uh, Sia Khaleesi Foundation. His wife works very hard um, at making sure that that stays uh, in, in the news and in vogue. Um, and more than that, I think he's just he, he's a decent guy who has had his demons. Um, if, you, if you read his autobiography, you'll, you'll see he talks about getting drunk after games and going AWOL, and he got through that and he's now in a, in a position where he understands the importance of his role um, uh, not just as the captain of a rugby team but as somebody who is representing his nation Andy Capistanio, thank you very much indeed, the rugby commentator and journalist. You with SFM, 19 minutes to 9. Your mediated conversation around the Rugby World Cup continues. Afshak Mohammed is the edit, the sports editor at Independent Media. Afshak, good morning and thanks for your time this morning. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Why is the tournament so open this year? Everyone's been talking about this. There may be four, maybe five teams that could win it. That's not normally the case. Why are there so many good teams this time around? Yeah, look, the, the standard of, of, of the, the, as you mentioned earlier, the Northern Hemisphere size has really 
been raised now, particularly France. You know, uh, the fact that they're hosting the tournament, they've never won it. They've come so close so many times. They've realized that they, uh, to, to ensure that the interest remains for the tournament, they actually need to at least make the final. So they've got a fantastic squad, uh, a whole lot of different coaches. There's even a South African coach involved in Fluxalia, who's their kicking coach. So, you know, they've got different influences from all over the world, but also playing that typical French style, uh, you know, all-out attack, uh, Fabien Galtier. He's also got Cape Town connections. He used to play for Western Province and the False Bay Rugby Club as well, uh, quite close with Nick Mallet over the years. So, you know, they've got so many different kind of influences coming into French rugby combined with their natural attacking flair. It's a deadly combination. You know, the, the discipline is there. They don't give away so many penalties anymore. They're not as temperamental perhaps as, a, as they have been in previous World Cups. And then, of course, Ireland, um, you know, uh, been top ranked for quite a few years or certainly up there all the time. They've beaten all the, the big teams like the Springboks and the All Blacks as well. Um, so, so those two are the main contenders from the north and then you have the usual Springboks and All Blacks uh, in the south. No one's talking about Australia, I notice. No, <laughs> except Eddie Jones, Stephen. <laughs> he can he can talk about himself on his own. <laughs> he just you know really gets things going. Um, uh, yeah, the Wallabies are struggling. You know when you don't have a proper forward pack who can win position to unleash the backline because the, the the assailants always have quite an inventive backline. They've got skills, they've got power uh, at the back, but. They tight five, uh, the loose forwards as well. I mean, uh, Eddie Jones decided to drop Michael Hooper, who's quite an iconic captain for the Wallabies as well. You know, just smacks of a Gary Teichman 1999 kind of move there um, because he's had an injury uh, uh, over the last few months, but he still should have been there. So, yeah, the Wallabies are lacking depth, lacking quality, and bringing Eddie Jones just a few months before the World Cup is a real emergency kind of trying to get something going. It seems the rugby world is changing quite quickly. Just a few months ago, many people were including England as one of the potential champions. Now it seems they've gone down. No one's really rating them. I understand they've had problems with their captain, of course. But it shows that teams can go up and down quite quickly at the moment. You can, you know. And, and, and just to link it to the Springboks as well in terms of that. You know, last year, I think there might have been quite a few concerned Bok fans just for the way things were going and maybe some of the results wasn't going their way. But, you know, even though they, they lost uh, uh, to Ireland and France on the end of year to a last year, I saw some really encouraging signs in terms of the attacking play and introducing someone like Mani Lubbock off the bench eventually. And, and this year, he's gotten more opportunities to play. Having Damien Willems at fly off on that end of year tour just showed a, a slight change in mindset and 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 game plan and, and kind of the kind of rugby that they want to play. And I think the box have timed it just right with that uh, record victory over the All Blacks. That was a real statement to the world to show that the Springboks are not just about box kicking and forward play and scrums and driving malls, but they can actually bring their wings into play. I mean, Kirtley Arons has been sensational. We know Chisholm Colby, Makazoli Mapimpi. Kane and Moody, unfortunately, not available for, for this game with the Hamsing issue, but uh, he's also been excellent. So, you know, uh, in that way, they are showing that uh, they are really here to defend the title. Um, it would seem amazing that we go into a Rugby World Cup with people having question marks against the New Zealand All Blacks, consistently probably the best uh, team uh, going all the way back to the 1890s. How do you read their massive loss to us? Were they just pretending? A bit, a bit, Stephen. I think they were pretending a bit. Uh, although you must admit that the Springboks were excellent on that day. 
they're just totally overwhelming physically and, and that really meant that uh, their, their backline couldn't get going as well. Um, you know, but it's still a warm-up game. How much do you really read into warm-up game? I think, you know, for, for, for both, it probably worked out okay. The Springboks needed that big confidence booster to beat a, an all-black team before they're going into the World Cup because they could face him in a quarterfinal as well. Uh, for the All Blacks, maybe uh, some question marks that they needed to address, but perhaps in the loose trio, uh, they've now had to make a change at, at inside centre uh, because Jordi Barrett's uh, out injured uh, for the game against France. So now they've gone with Anton Leonard Brown. So, you know, those kind of questions, but now it's showtime. You know, the world's been watching them. France, back stadium, it's going to be a huge game, and you can't see the All Blacks just you know, not rocking up this time like they did against the Springboks at Twickenham. So, you know, don't write off the All Blacks. They're always competitive. They've got high-quality high players. Their pack is much better since uh, they brought in the Crusaders forwards coach just to give them that sharper edge up front as well. It's a quietly strange. It's a slightly strange draw. Um, it seems, as I understand it, that two of the favourites cannot get to the final. How did that work? Yeah, because the draw was made three years ago by World Rugby, um, you know, uh, they're being smart a bit about that uh, to try and ensure that the fixtures are done well in advance. But now it's meant that because now the Springboks and, and Ireland are in the same pool and France and New Zealand are in the same pool. So they're going to face each other in quarterfinals. So the winner of pool A will play the run-up of pool B and vice versa in the other quarterfinals. So, you know, that's why I'm saying the Springboks could play either France or New Zealand in the quarterfinal and vice versa with, with the other side. So then someone's going to miss out. <laughs> um, we all hope that it's not the Springboks, but yeah, there could be some big upsets here. And mind you, there are also uh, various other games that can cause major upsets. Like even now, you see in the other pool, England, Argentina. I think Argentina can take England. England are already battling. Wales, Fiji. Fiji have beaten Wales before in World Cup. So that is a, another one to look out for. I would have said that Japan, Chile is a spicy encounter, but I think Japan will do the business there. Ashfaq, are you going to put money on it? Who do you think is going to win? Yeah, as a Muslim, I'm not a gambling man, Stephen. <laughs> but, um, you know, as, uh, as a, uh, uh, you're asking my rugby opinion, I really think that the box have a proper chance. I just think with the depth that they have, the versatility, the ability to to play, to bring in guys from that you would think is not in the first choice 15, but they can still do the job, as you saw with under essays and coming in at inside centre over the last few tests and doing fantastically well. The scrummers, there are four scrummers to choose from. The back three, the wings, you can choose any one of those four. They can do the job. So box is a team to beat, but don't write off the All Blacks. Ashraq Mohammed, thank you so much. Independent media sports editor, really, uh, in, sports editor at Independent Media, really appreciate the time. In a moment, Kaniso Trako, he's with the Springboks with News 24 in France. Mediated conversation on SAFM. Eight minutes to nine, continuing your mediated conversation ahead of the Rugby World Cup, which of course kicks off tomorrow. Kaniso Trako is actually in France with the Springbok rugby team, the national team. Uh, he's a, a journalist at News 24 Sport. Kaniso, good morning. Thanks for your time. Good morning, Stephen, and good morning to listeners. Let's focus on the Springboks. How strong, in your view, is our team? Um, look, they picked the, probably the best possible side. Um, when you look at the 23, that's 23 that is effectively selected to play 80 minutes. Um, I think the key thing that the Springboks just want to win. They want to win. If they win handsomely, um, will be determined by how well they play. But the key thing is the four points because... When you look at that group, 
if you lose that opening game to Scotland, the box loser game opening opening game to Scotland, you realize that that Ireland game then becomes if it was a mount if it was a molehill with the win, it becomes a mountain with a loss. And most probably the box would love to keep that game as a molehill because it is a game that most probably they could win. It's a game that most probably that they could also lose. But at the end of the day, when you look at how Pool A is placed. Either way, the box would have to play one of France or New Zealand in the quarterfinals. Ideally, you want to gain, and I think beating Ireland um, in France um, on the 23rd would probably give the box the added momentum because at the end of the day, as Ashfaq correctly alluded to, New Zealand cannot be underestimated under any circumstance. France are playing at home. It is the second time they're hosting a World Cup. They've probably assembled their best ever group of players at the moment. If you look at the France's juniors, they've had a group of junior players who have done exceedingly well um, at under-20 level. They've won the last three under-20 World Cups. And if you realize that, a lot of those players have actually moved through and become a significant part of the senior team. So I think France, more than anything else, are, 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 the, are the outright favorites. One, they're playing at home. Two, world-class players coming through. I think the, the, the key becomes whether they can have whereas the Springboks and the All Blacks will always remain favourites because of their World Cup pedigree. Um, most probably have themselves to, to worry about. We're without several key players. Locanio, Am, Andre, Pollard, both out through injury. Uh, both World Cup winners themselves. Does that weaken us significantly? Well, if you look at the Wales and the, New- and the Wales and New Zealand games, not much. I mean, Locanio, Am is a critical player for the Springboks. Um, he got injured in the Argentina game, which kind of raised the wisdom um, of these warm-up games. But they're in necessity because you don't want teams undercooked at the start of the World Cup. You need teams to at least have some sort of momentum. And I mean, Jacques Dinaba did say in, in, in the lead-up to um, yesterday's press conference through various other media engagements that you players will get injured in the lead-up to the World Cup. It was unfortunate that Lukanyo Am got injured um, in the lead-up to the World Cup. We actually, to, the game before the squad announcement, a guy like Andre Pollard was injured in May. Actually, remember that Andre Pollard was injured in, in August last year. Didn't play for the Springboks since. Um, worked his way back to full fitness, played well for the Leicester Tigers from where he then got injured again before the Gallagher Premiership semifinals and hasn't played again since. I think now he's gone back to full fitness because the squad was announced, it wasn't fully fit. At the time of the squad announcement, he then had to miss out. So, look, there are a, the, 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 it's key players who are missing. But again, what uh, as Ashfaq correct, correctly alluded to, what the box have gone about creating at, 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 and at times at the cost of results is dead. And now the key part is now to see whether those games that have sacrificed to create depth will come to the fore. Because if the Springboks actually go through this World Cup and beat it and they win, the method, the 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 the, the method in the madness that Rassi, the Rassi Erasmus and Jacques Dinaba were engaging in is going to become very clear because they were results orientated, but they also needed to realize that they needed to create a player pool outside of the normal 23 because at the end of the day, you don't need a squad. You're not going to win a World Cup with a squad of 23. You're going to win a World Cup with a wider squad of 35, 36. Because you may have two or three injuries in a key position. Where do you look for those players? If you haven't blooded players in a position, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go to? Because, for example, if the Fox were to lose a backline player now, you realize that you can still call on one of Lukanya Am and Henry Pollard to come back to the World Cup side. So you may be losing a player, but you're getting a player back. 
And that goes back to the depth pool that has been created by Jacques Dinab and Rassi Rasmus. So the key part is that they just need to win this game. Um, and I think for fans, a lot of fans have been um, irritated with how the box have played. But the key part now is that the result has been delivered on, 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 on Sunday in Marseille. How they deliver it will be another business for another day. They just need to win. If they can get that bonus point, good to go. I think the key focus now for South African rugby lovers is that the box win, how they do it, will be dealt with in the face Romania in Bordeaux. Um, Manny Libok, uh, really an incredible fly half. Not that much experience at international level. Uh, there was some criticism of his kicking at one point. That got a lot better in the game against New Zealand. How important will he be? Look, the fly-off is the heartbeat of the team. Um, the, kicking, the kicking is correctly justified because the money tends to be a slow starter, but when you look at his kicking numbers in the UFC, he's averaged 75 and 76% um, over the past two seasons. And you realize that he's been a top point scorer over the past two seasons. Where have the Stormers finished? In the past seasons, they won it, and they were still losing to his finalists last year. So that will tell you that um, when Marnie plays well, the Stormers plays well. So if Marnie plays well, the Springboks will play well. But critically, he's probably got the best pack in the world right now. And if the box are able to get front foot dominance, I think everything else will fall into place. I mean, at the end of the day, Finn Russell's is prob- probably the best playmaker in the world. But you can't play make when your forwards are taking a battering. So, I mean, when you look at the composition of a box forwards um, for this particular game, when you look at the starting eight and you look at the four, the, the six on the bench, the 14 box forwards, um, have a very critical role to play to ensure that Marnie's transition from Test rugby into World Cup rugby is as smooth as possible. Because if Marnie, and I really hope he does, if Marnie comes through with flying colours um, in, in, on Sunday, one realises that that Ireland game may not, be, it may not pose as much of a mental challenge as it would be if he doesn't play well on Sunday. Thank you very much indeed. Kaniso Trako, really appreciate the time. A sports journal, uh, News 24 Sports, a uh, journalist at News 24 Sport, really appreciate it. Uh, start, uh, Ashfaq Mohammed is uh, the sports editor at Independent Media and starting us off today, the rugby commentator and journalist Andy Capistano. Well, a lot to look forward to. The Springboks, of course, play against Scotland on Sunday. And uh, I imagine a lot of people are going to be looking towards uh, Sia Khaleesi and his team to see how things go and to see how we do. It might be a big moment of national pride over the next few days.